Hills, and welcome to the Paranatural Podcast. My name is Ben. And I'm Andrew Garfield. <laughs> He's Jake. And we are so glad to have you with us tonight as we venture into the swamps and forests of southwestern Arkansas and talk about the events that inspired the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek and the big hairy critter known as the Falk Monster. Jacob, how you doing tonight, brother? You know how I'm doing. <laughs> how are you? You're sunburned. That's how you're fucking doing. I am. You are. Not as bad as you were, though. No, no, no. I don't know if anybody gets sunburned as bad as I did there in California. Yeah, little does anyone know that there is an eighth degree sunburn and you reached it. <laughs> Your burns got, the bones got burned. <laughs> well, you know that old Smash Mouth song? Might as well be walking on the sun. <laughs> yeah, that was me. You might as well be bathing in the sun. <laughs> but anyway, I'm doing real good. You want to know why? No. So, uh, we got I said no. We 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 got a review. That's weird. We did. We got a review. On well, our on our website paranaturalpodcast.com, you can leave us reviews there. And then I'll read them like I'm about yeah. to do with this one. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So, this review comes from Evelyn Resendez, I think is how you say it. And it reads I listened through Spotify, but decided to leave a review here. Laughy, cry face, emoji, five stars. I've always been a fan of the supernatural. I've heard many stories throughout the years, yet this podcast manages to talk about many stories I haven't heard of yet. They are so good, entertaining, and hilarious. I love this podcast. It's my favorite. Keep up the good work. Big smiley face emoji. Evelyn, we would just like to say thank you so much for the very, very kind words. Your check is in the mail. <laughs> that, that part was a joke. We do appreciate the review. And if you guys would like to leave us one, uh, go ahead. Just like Evelyn did, paranaturalpodcast.com. You can look at all of our shows there. You can contact us. You can leave a review. You can leave us a voicemail. I don't think we shout that out enough. Little green button down in the corner. You can leave us a voicemail. And it would be really fun to hear your voicemail. Evelyn. That was so sweet. Thank it was. You. It was very sweet. I was very touched when I read it. We're her favorite. We are her favorite. I'm not even our favorite podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that might be fair. I mean, it's seconds only to Mr. Creepypasta, but. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we do appreciate it, Evelyn. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're so sweet. Now, uh, before we get on, this is totally unrelated, but I wanted to talk to you about it, and I saved this for the show. Jacob, I read an article, okay? Did you know that dudes are getting Botox injections in their scrotums? <laughs> Scrotai? I guess. <laughs> and I guess, like, they're doing it to, like, remove the wrinkles in the sack or something. Aren't they kind of supposed to have wrinkles? I mean, I thought so. And, like, to me, this is just, like, I mean, it's pretty nuts, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, okay, good. <laughs> did you did you know uh 
if you remember way back into my zombie episode, mm-hmm. the uh, voodoo zombies, they would put that one, some sort of powder from the puffer fish. Yeah, yeah. And it brings on the early stages of rigor mortis. Mm-hmm. There's some old guy who's trying to, you know, get that downstairs. <laughs> Just get a needle, my guy. Bloop. <laughs> right, right to the shaft. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> there's a few veins to choose from, pal. <laughs> Ten thousand volts straight to the nipples. Anyhow, but there is something that I wanted to talk to you about. Oh yeah, what's that? You remember back when we did that special little episode about all the UFOs going on? Yeah, that's coming back. Uh, yeah, I was actually gonna do a little bit more research and maybe talk about that. At the beginning okay. of next week's episode, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. Okay, because apparently now NASA is saying that uh, the moon could, in fact, have life. The moon. The moon. Big old ball of cheese up there. I mean, <laughs> Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. <laughs> I was about the to best make of the, claymation. I was about to make the same joke, actually, about <laughs> the cheese. But no, uh, yeah, the whole UFO alien thing, it's kicking off pretty fucking hard right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, guys, uh, yeah, we'll probably talk about that a little bit next week, right? Yeah, I'll definitely, do some more reading. Uh, and... Definitely an exciting time to have a podcast. About this kind of crap, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the true crime nut sacks out there. They're <laughs> like, oh man, we chose the wrong one. <laughs> we chose poorly. I don't know. There's always crime. Yeah, but is it true? <laughs> All right, Jacob. You ready to talk about some Falcon Monster? Falcon ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> So my main and pretty much only source for this episode uh, is a book, because I can read. You can? Yeah, I can. And the book is titled The Boggy Creek Casebook, Falk Monster Sightings from 1908 to Present, which is written by the hands-down coolest human being in the world of cryptozoology, Lyle Blackburn. We've talked about Lyle on the show, and let me just suffice it to say... He's so cool, he can wear the tiny cowboy hat with the skulls and pull it off. So, (laughs) that's cool as fuck right there. Now, in 1973, the absolute classic of a movie, The Legend of Boggy (laughs) Creek, went into wide distribution and could be seen in theaters all across the U.S. You ever see that one, Jake? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, 70s. I, okay, yeah, okay. So for what it is, it's great, right? <laughs> like, the filmography isn't the best, I think, is something you could say. Nice, the 70s. To put it nicely. It, it is the 70s. Like, look at Evil Dead. This you know, is worse. But... <laughs> <laughs> at least Evil Dead wasn't grainy. Yeah, but Evil Dead had a $10,000 budget to work with uh and they use claymation for when the exorcisms got real or not exorcism possessions got real uh well yeah yeah but still this movie yeah it's it's certainly not filmed in 4k right it's kind of grainy uh some scenes are like way too dark uh well what 
Go ahead. A little bit uh, kind of on topic because it's the monster and it looks somewhat similar. But have you ever seen the movie Don't Fuck in the Woods? Yeah, never heard of it. So it's a 2017 movie. And uh, the monster looks somewhat similar in the, you know, budget category. Well, right. And in the non 4K, I think it's a half K. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's all I had to say about it. Gotcha. It awful movie. I loved it. uh to further expand on my criticisms of the movie uh the editing in the movie can be a bit jarring at some spots (laughs) to people who notice such things the acting is well look top notch (laughs) a lot of the people in the movie are the actual people who lived through the events depicted in the movie so these are not actors they are just acting like slightly dramatized versions of themselves. Yeah. So, you that's, know. That's what we do on this show. We could be famous <laughs> actors. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Still, all of that aside, the movie gained quite a bit of attention, making $20 million at the box office, which is really not bad for a movie that was originally conceived of as a documentary. And was made by a Texarkana advertising salesman named Charles B. Pierce for about $160,000. Nice payout. Which that money he acquired by convincing a local trucking company to invest it. And the money he stretched it by uh, taking locals, mostly high school students, and having them help make it. So, <laughs> And honestly... uh. With all that, it sounds like the dude was actually really good at his marketing job because he got all these people to do this shit for some Bigfoot story in Falk, Arkansas. Yeah, cool. But anyway, like I said, the movie was originally supposed to be a documentary, and as such, it actually depicts events really accurately to how they were reported to have happened, which is not something we get very often out of modern media. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> anyway, I highly recommend watching The Legend of Boggy Creek. Jake, what do you say? Oh, absolutely. If you can, if you can find it, watch it. Yeah, it's a uh, low budget. It's got its fair share of technical issues, but the adherence to witness testimony and the fact that the actual people play roles in it gives it a ton of heart and authenticity. And there is definitely a reason that it was so well received and eventually became a classic. I just wanted to shout out the movie and how everybody pretty much knows about this story that's into this kind of stuff. Where Lyle Blackburn heard of it first. All that. You got a wasted talent, Ben. You should be (laughs) writing reviews. (laughs) Movie reviews. (laughs) That's my next podcast. (laughs) Now, before the film's release and ensuing success, Falk, Arkansas wasn't exactly a well-known place. Shocking. I know. (laughs) put on your surprised face folks (laughs) even less well known were the stories told by locals of a big hairy bipedal creature that stalked the wilderness areas near Falk and its neighboring communities unlike Momo the Falk monster didn't just appear out of nowhere there are tons of accounts of swamp squatches in that region going back for at least decades 
Like, in 1908, a 10-year-old girl named Kate Smith saw a huge, hairy, human-like creature watching her from behind some bushes while she was on a fishing trip to Mercer Bayou with her family. It sounds like a, how would you say it, pedophile? (laughs) (laughs) He was just watching. Ah, okay. Anyway. And now <laughs> the Falk Monster is going to sue you for defamation. <laughs> this is a this is a satire podcast. This is parody. It's just just for fun. Falk Monster, don't sue us. <laughs> After that, we get the following article, which was printed in the Daily Arkansas Gazette on October fifth, nineteen ten. It That's reads: Wild beast at large, a strange beast which roars like a lion is reported to be running at large in the woods north of Spring Lake Park near Texarkana. The animal is said to have killed several pigs on the McAllister Place and several dogs near town. The roars of the strange beast have so frightened the people of that locality that they are afraid to leave their homes after dark, and windows and doors are kept securely barred. Gosh. I wish papers were still like that. I know, right? (laughs) It's so much more exciting. The next early account occurred in 1916 near Wright-Patman Lake, which is 19 miles west of Falk in the great state of Texas. According to the story, a family was headed home after a trip to town. It was after nightfall, but the moon was high and bright, making it relatively easy to see. As the family turned the wagon onto the lane that led to their farm, the mules that were pulling the wagon began to act up as if spooked by something up ahead. They looked ahead, thinking that perhaps the mules were reacting to a snake that was in the road, but nobody could see any such thing. Suddenly, they heard an eerie, high-pitched howl coming from the east pasture. The mules started freaking out with a bit more gusto, and the family started looking for the source of the unfamiliar sound. After a few moments, a tall figure emerged from the shadows of the tree line and walked out into the moonlight. The womenfolk who recounted the story said that the creature was, quote, tall or taller than a man and covered with long, dark hair, end quote. Seven foot, right? We'll get there. (laughs) But yes. (laughs) She also noted, quote, it stood absolutely erect and walked slowly toward them like a man, not slouching like an ape, end quote. Erect, huh? (laughs) Erect. (laughs) Fully. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The creature continued towards the wagon, still howling, and began to motion angrily with its overlong arms. The patriarch of the now panicking family grabbed his rifle and winged a shot in the creature's direction. Presumably, the shot missed, but the sound of the gun was sufficient to turn the creature around and drive it off. After calming the mules and getting home, the family barricaded themselves in the house. So that was 1916. That's a good year. Those were the first, th- the three earliest accounts that Mr. Blackburn could dig up for his book. All right, skipping ahead just a little bit. In 1932, a dude named Ace Cocker was sitting on the porch while his sister was hanging clothes on the line. He got up to go inside and made it all the way to opening the screen door. As he did, he lifted his hat and realized that there was a Swamp Squatch standing right by the porch. (laughs) Apparently, it had snuck up in broad daylight without making a sound. 
Olace must have been the graduate of the Survivor First School of Handling Dangerous Situations because, sister be damned, he bolted into the house as quickly as he could. (laughs) By the time he closed the door and looked back outside, the creature had already gotten to the edge of the property and over a fence, and Ace saw it go into the woods. So there you go. There's some of the earlier ones. Now, there were a few sightings in the 50s. Mostly, they're just quick, not exceptionally interesting affairs. Uh, The account that I deemed worthy of mentioning is that of prominent Falk resident Willie Smith, who saw the creature not once, but twice in 1955. The first time, he saw the monster lurking near Boggy Creek behind his home. After determining that it was for sure not a person, Willie shot at it. (laughs) Now... Unlike the uh, earlier story with the family in the wagon, I do not mean that he just winged a shot at it real quick to drive it off. No, no, no. Nay, nay. By his own account, Willie fired 15 rounds from a quote-unquote army rifle at the thing and hit it a grand total of not fucking even once. He's a shit shot. <laughs> that, dear listeners, is why you don't do what Willie Smith apparently did and learn to shoot from the Helen Keller Marksmanship Academy. <laughs> <laughs> it was a correspondence course taught by Stevie Wonder. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, only second to Ray Charles, right? <laughs> Look, though, listen, okay, I kind of give this story a lot of credit because. If I shoot at something 15 fucking times and don't hit it even once, I'm not telling this story. So the fact, or at least I'm going to leave that part out. So, or at least it withstood 15 bullets. And, oof, <laughs> damn, something. I'm going to make that part of the story. No, he's just like, yeah, I didn't even fucking hit it. <laughs> now, it turns out, though, that uh, I'm not the only one who decided to throw shade at Willie Smith. And his Ray Charles-like ability to shoot. (laughs) (laughs) The Swamp Squatch came back to add a little insult to injury. (laughs) A short time after the first incident, it came back and started, quote-unquote, throwing chunks at Willie Smith's dog. (laughs) Once again, Willie grabbed his gun and shot at the creature, but yeah, he he was probably going to be better off just throwing the gun at the fucking thing. (laughs) But anyway... (laughs) that's willie smith's story and the only one from the 50s that was really really worth telling now in the 1960s there seems to have been an uptick in sightings or at least in reported sightings kind of hard to tell which way that actually goes sometimes Again, most of these are fairly mundane sightings somebody saw it cross a road or glimpsed it in the woods or what the fuck ever As far as research and study goes, these are important sightings. If you put enough of them together, you can start to characterize the creature's physical appearance, home range, and behavior patterns. Not to any real or understandable degree, but you start to get a picture of those things. This, on the other hand, is a podcast. Or at least a reasonable facsimile of one. We aren't researchers. We are not academics or anything like that. We are just a couple of dudes talking about weird shit on the internet. Speak for yourself. (laughs) Our goal here, folks, is entertainment. (laughs) If someone actually learns anything listening to this bullshit, then that is a purely unintentional bonus. (laughs) (laughs) 
All that is to say that there is a bunch of stories and details that I am doing an epic skip over to get to the fun and interesting stuff. Stuff like the 1965 sighting of one James Lynn Crabtree. James Lynn Crabtree, who went by his middle name Lynn, was out squirrel hunting in the woods near Crabtree Lake. His father, Smokey Crabtree, who would later become a very prominent Falkmouse researcher, had actually built the lake on their extensive property. So, that's why it's called Crabtree Lake. I was wondering. I knew you would be. Lynn was sat up under an acorn tree, waiting for a squirrel to show its bushy little ass, when he heard horses running down the logging road and heard them splash into the lake. The horses weren't unusual. They belonged to a neighbor and were often let out to run free in the woods. The unusual part was that at about the same time he heard the horses hit the water, he heard a dog start bellowing in pain. Thinking that it might be one of his family's dogs, he got up to go investigate. He headed in the direction that the sounds were coming from when suddenly the dog's yelps turned into a deep grunting, groaning sound unlike anything he had ever heard before. He stopped and listened and soon realized that the sound was not a dog sound, but the sound of a large, unknown animal. He was unnerved, but continued forward anyway. Soon, he cleared the trees and saw a hairy animal standing about 30 feet away. It was by the water with its back to him, watching the horses and moving in a way that gave Lynn the impression that it was angry. Lynn went silent and still as he watched the, quote, hairy man or gorilla-type beast with very long arms, end quote. And yeah, that might be a good strategy at that exact moment. Uh, just lay low, stay still. Don't, uh, don't bring attention, hope it doesn't notice you. Except, it did notice him. <laughs> Suddenly, the agitated creature turned around and looked right at Lynn. Lynn was scared shitless looking at the creature whose face he said was obscured by hair with, quote, only a dark brown nose showing flat and close to its face, and quote. Scared shitless. Scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> like, it didn't say how old Lynn was when this happened to him, but throughout the, the writing of it, uh, Lyle Blackburn refers to him as the boy, the youth, like, so he was young. Like, yeah. you know, maybe what? 10, 12 at that point, you could be out hunting squirrel by yourself. No big deal. Back then, maybe. And I'm not going to say I might have been scared shitless looking at a fucking swamp squatch about 30 feet away. All I got is a squirrel rifle in my hand. By the way, squirrel rifle, I'm not sure exactly what kind of rifle he was carrying, but it's definitely a small one. And all he had it loaded with was squirrel shot, which is tiny little fucking pellets. We're not talking about a lot of damage here. No, that'd be what, like maybe a 410 at the most yeah probably more like a 22 they do have a yeah. uh, squirrel shot and varmint shot for 22s oh tiny tiny little pellets man nice yeah anyway lynn raised his rifle hoping to scare the thing but the thing wasn't scared <laughs> <laughs> quite the opposite actually it started walking toward him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably because of his last encounter where he was getting shot. Yeah, at. right. He's like, whatever that is, it doesn't do anything but go boom. I'm going to come over there. <laughs> Lynn shouted a warning and then fired a round of squirrel shot at the Swamp Squatch's head. It was totally unfazed by this and kept coming, prompting the youth to fire twice more before firing up his Lamborghinis and running for home as fast as he could. 
Now, I'm not going to make too much fun of Lynn here because shooting something in the head is actually way harder than you would think. Heads bob around and move a lot. And if you're fucking scared and just firing at it, it's pretty obvious why you would miss. And even if he didn't miss, the squirrel shot might not have been enough to do much more than piss it off anyway. Yeah. Unless you're getting eyes with those little pellets. Right. A month later, and not far away, the 14-year-old Kenneth Diaz saw, or Diaz, I'm not sure, saw a similar hairy critter while out deer hunting. He winged a shot at it and hightailed it out of the woods without even seeing if he hit or not. So, (laughs) sometime after that, like very soon after that, a woman by the name of Phyllis Brown was also out deer hunting when she heard dogs running something through the woods, so chasing something. She looked up the clear cut and saw what she first thought was a quote unquote black guy running toward her. Oh. <laughs> As it got closer, though, she realized it was not a person, but something she had never seen before. AKA a fucking Falk monster. Falcon monster. Now, the last couple of things I want to mention from this particular decade's sightings is that we get a little more detail of what it looked like from Louise Harvin, who saw the creature twice in 1968 as it ate the slop she had set aside for her hogs. She said it had long reddish-colored hair and a darker brown face. She also described the nose as flat, like Lynn Crabtree said before. On the second occasion she saw it, she got a look at its teeth and said it had long canines like a baboon, even though it had a more gorilla-like face. Also, in 1968, we get the first mention of it being stinky. This comes from a father and son who were nameless, but who were out duck hunting when they smelled something awful just before seeing the creature crossing the road a little way away. So, there's the 60s. And now, now we come to the best of the bunch. During the last week of April 1971, two families moved to a small rental at the north end of Falk. They were Don and Patricia Ford, along with their four kids, and Charles and Elizabeth Taylor, who had no kids. On the night of the 28th, they heard something moving around outside the house and heard the boards on the porch creaking under footsteps. They had no idea who or what might be out there, but it spooked them enough to send them fleeing to the nearest neighbor's house. For a little while that night, anyway. When they returned, everything was quiet, and it remained that way for the rest of the evening. Two days later, Don's brother, Bobby Ford, and his friend, Corky Hill, came to visit and do some fishing for the weekend. Near the creek, they found a strange footprint. It was long and human-like, but had only three toes. Momo's prints only had three toes, too, remember? I remember. Mm, How about that? Later that night, there was a repeat of something outside and walking on the porch. According to Bobby, it even tried to get in the house. They don't detail exactly how, but I'm assuming maybe it jiggled the door handle or something. This time, though, everybody just stayed put until it left. The next night, Saturday, May 2nd, for our domestic scorekeepers, 
Bobby was visiting the little boy's room when the Swamp Squatch suddenly appeared in the window. <laughs> appropriate fucking place to be, because I know I'd need new underwear if I wasn't in the bathroom, yeah. and a fucking Bigfoot just peeped up in the goddamn window at me. <laughs> anyway... According to Blackburn's book, he, quote, immediately abandoned his business and ran into the living room and, quote, <laughs> abandoned his business, my ass. <laughs> he just finished it all at once. <laughs> he did it on the way. <laughs> he just, <laughs> I wonder if he even pulled his pants up before he fucking took off. I'm not sure if he was doing number one or number two, but after the Bigfoot looked in the window, I think he probably did both. Yeah, he did a number three. <laughs> now, out in the living room, Elizabeth Taylor was sitting on the couch when she noticed a curtain moving and then saw a hairy clawed hand reach in through the open window. She said, quote, at first I thought it was a bear's paw, but it didn't look like that. And quote, Mrs. Taylor told a reporter from the Texarkana Gazette. This is where her interview was. To continue her, quote, it had heavy hair all over it, and it had claws, and I could see its eyes. They looked like coals of fire, real red. It didn't make any noise, except you could hear it breathing, end quote. That's fucking creepy. I bet. Reaching up in the window going, <sighs> I told you, he's a pervert squatch. He is. He's a pervert squatch. Now, at this point, Bobby, who was uh, had armed himself with a butcher knife, uh, actually grabbed Elizabeth and, like, threw her down to the floor trying to protect her and whatever. And through the commotion, Don and Charles became aware of the situation and grabbed a flashlight and a shotgun that they had borrowed from Fout Constable Ernest Walraven, which is a badass name if I ever heard one. Uh, I mean, there's a store up here called Walraven's. Is the proprietor named Ernest? Of course. Okay. What else would you be named? I mean, you have to be named Ernest Walraven. You have to. That's just that's just a badass name. That is. Anyway, with those uh, objects in hand, they rushed outside with Bobby and his butcher knife close behind. <laughs> they saw the creature run toward the back of the house and estimated it to be about how many feet tall? Seven. Seven feet tall and three <laughs> feet across the chest. <laughs> so Big chest. Yeah, it's a big chest. A big barrel boy chest, isn't it? But that makes it, uh, I don't know, roughly Bigfoot size. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Along with 99% of cryptid size. Mm -hmm. Correct. Anything creepy aliens. is seven foot tall. Yep. Or ten. Anyway. Or ten. That's a teaser for next week, folks. The beginning it of is? next week's episode. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. Fucking squirrel brain? What the fuck you got going on there, bud? There's a squirrel? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> better get Lynn Crabtree on it. The three men went back in the house and called Constable Walraven, who came out and spent an hour looking around. He didn't find anything, but left another flashlight and shotgun for the family. I wish I lived in places like that at that time. When you call the cops and they come out and look around and then leave you a gun. They're like, you got a gun? No, here, have a gun. <laughs> like, you can Sounds borrow like my you gun. Need a gun. You can borrow my gun. Sounds like you need a gun. Here, you can borrow two of my guns. <laughs> anyway, thusly armed, Don, Charles, and Bobby stood watch on the front porch while everyone else hunkered down inside. It's back when men were men. 
They were going to stand out there and protect the family. They didn't have to stand guard long. The creature came back fairly soon, this time kicking in the back door. <laughs> so just straight kicked in the back fucking door. He was getting in that fucking house. That was Sparta. The fellas got on top of that shit immediately, giving it a glow up in the flashlight beams and firing at it with the shotguns. <laughs> so <laughs> the creature took off towards the woods and the men kept firing, believing at one point that they saw it fall. So at least these guys at least think they hit it. <laughs> they started walking to the spot where they thought it went down when suddenly the women in the house started screaming. Don and Charles kept going while Bobby went back to the house. As he ascended the steps, something came from the shadows and grabbed him. He said, quote, I was walking up the rungs of the ladder to get up on the porch when the thing grabbed me. I felt a hairy arm come over my shoulder, and the next thing I knew, we were on the ground. The only thing I could think about was to get out of there. The thing was breathing real hard, and his eyes were about the size of a half dollar and real red. I finally broke away and ran around the house and through the front door. I don't know where he, it, went. Now, when, they, when he said he went through the front door... He meant he went through the front door. He actually busted out the glass in the front door with his arm. <laughs> so, like, yeah, he went he, he went through the front door. Don and Charles heard Bobby hollering and headed back for the house. By the time they got there, the Swamp Squatch had disappeared into the woods. Bobby was already in the house, and he was pretty well shaken and scratched up by the ordeal and trying to go through the window instead of using the doorknob. <laughs> the rest of the people there put him in the car and took him to Constable Walraven's house. The constable sent them on to the hospital, which is where they probably should have went in the first place, and he went out to the Ford house, but the creature did not come back. Bobby was treated for his injuries and tested for alcohol. He was found to be sober. Because we all know alcohol causes you to see seven foot tall Sam squanches in the woods. I'm not drinking the right stuff. I guess. <laughs> More police showed up at the Ford house and found evidence that something had been living under the house. They also noted damage to the windows and scratches on the porch. They found strange footprints and broken saplings in the woods, but never any blood. In the end, the authorities theorized that the intruder was a panther. <laughs> Apparently they found some tracks up by the house that looks vaguely uh, cougar-like, and since something had been living under the house, they just said, yep, must have been a panther. Very panther-like qualities. Uh, yeah, uh, mm -hmm, bipedal and mm -hmm. all that. Seven foot tall. You think that's bad, though? <laughs> the locals had a rumor that went around that the perpetrator was actually a horse. <laughs> Apparently, there was an old horse that nobody like really knew who it belonged to that just kind of wandered around that area and would trample through people's gardens and come up to your house begging for treats and shit. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's a horse. <laughs> mm. 
does does that even does that even need argued because what the fuck a horse (laughs) it's about as good as the owl thing it is it's almost as good (laughs) there was one more uh one more claim that some people latched onto, and that is the claim that it was actually local law enforcement perpetrating a hoax to get the family to leave Falk. <laughs> Which, if that was the case, it worked because about as soon as Bobby got out of the hospital, them sons of bitches packed up, moved, and never went back to Falk, Arkansas again in their lives. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, Jacob, what do you think before we move on here, real quick? They didn't put a whole lot of thought into, you know, deciding what it could be. Uh, no. <laughs> Nobody even said bear. No. Which would at least be understandable why you would think that. So a bear could could a few different like qualities of this thing. One, bears that live around towns or you know, people's houses they tend to stink because they'll get into their garbage. They'll eat rotting meat. They stink. Yeah, they don't exactly use like head and shoulders either. I mean, yeah, you can. They can be bipedal. That, yep. Um, Although they don't generally run from gunfire in a bipedal fashion. Nope. But it's not exactly impossible, I suppose. A bear would have made the most sense. Like a horse. Not once while you were telling this story is uh, am I thinking, you know, this could be a horse. Not even a little bit. Same thing with a cougar. Yeah. None of those people described anything that you could call a fucking mountain lion. None. And then, and then the uh you know when Yeah, no, I never even thought it was the five oh either. No, sure, not no. Especially, you got the constable loaning them shotguns. Yeah, yeah, this totally sounded like a Scooby-Doo type of scenario. (laughs) Unless he loaded it with blanks. I mean, right, right? But even that's way more dangerous than anybody who is familiar with firearms is going to try to do. Because you loan them a shotgun, you don't know if they're going to go to the store and buy more ammo. Now your blanks just got replaced by fucking slugs. Not a good plan. No, I definitely check the uh the ammo. Yeah. If I thought I was going to be shooting a Bigfoot. That's real. And like to be to be completely honest, I don't think it was a bear either. Too many people saw this thing too clearly they for saw it to be a bear. Face, yeah. But bear would be the only thing that I would even remotely accept as a scapegoat. Yeah. And nobody like, even said bear. <laughs> size could have been bears can get that big. Not usually in the south like that. No. I mean, yes, they can, but usually they're a little smaller down there. Definitely can't believe it would be a horse. <laughs> it's though. a horse. <laughs> a Especially horse, horse, after of course, they of found course. so many freaking footprints. Well, yeah, and they never found any sort of hoof print near the house. No. Like, so just because there was a horse that would wander around that area, you're not going to mistake a horse for a bipedal ape-like creature. No. No, that's just as bad as, like, oh, well, some deer fight on their back legs, so that's what it was. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, horses can rear up and maybe take a couple steps bipedally. Yeah. They sure as fuck... I, I don't care who you are. If you see a fucking horse, you know it's a horse. All right? <laughs> like Nine times out of ten, it's either a horse or a pony. Right, or a mule. Like, that's all your options right there. Donkey. You're not even going to mistake that for a deer. It's too big. No. <laughs> like... <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm good with. All right. So that is that story. And just to kind of wrap things up here, that is not the only story. That story appears maybe a third of the way through the book. They, the stories continue and continue and continue. And they continue to this day in Falk area. Lyle Blackburn has a website, which I did not note what it was. I wish I would have on there. People can submit their sightings and encounters and they continue to this day down in Falk, Arkansas, but none of them were quite as entertaining as all of that, which that is the stuff that led to the movie being made again, go watch the movie. It's really fucking cool. There is also a documentary I will recommend, which features Lyle Blackburn actually, it is a documentary by the group Small Town Monsters with Seth Breedlove. It is called The Legend of Boggy Creek. You can watch that. It's very well done. Small Town Monsters, actually, they do some really good documentaries on this kind of thing. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not their friend. I just wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's pretty much the... Uh, oh, I guess to finish up everything here. The... Uh, the sightings in the seventies and the, the, the Ford families things and all that, that's what led to the whole media spectacle that got the word out to the country. There's actually now a store down there, a Falk monster museum store, which I want to visit. Cause I want to visit all of those places someday. So yeah, that's all I got. Jacob, any further uh, thoughts? No, no, I, I'm, Definitely wanting to read the book, though. It is free on Kindle. Or no, it's not free. It's like, whoa. Shh, don't tell my girlfriend. It was like $7 or something. Cough, cough, free <laughs> cough. <laughs> cough, cough. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's on Kindle. You can read it there. Or you can, like I said, go to his website. Just If you just look up uh, Boggy Creek Monster and Lyle Blackburn in Google, it'll take you there. And you can see all of these uh, various sightings and accounts and witness accounts and all that stuff that he's got up on the website. It's pretty cool. This is like his uh, his favorite story. Like it's his thing. I mean, it's been going on a 50, fucking long time. Yeah, hundred and twenty years. Yeah. Well, hundred and fifteen ish. Yeah, which the first accounts are kind of meh, meh, but. They get there. Yeah. They get there. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy our show, please don't forget to share it with a friend. Bring them in so they can enjoy it. Evelyn, once again, we thank you for your kind words and your review. If you would like to help us, get down to the Falk Museum. Patreon.com slash Paranatural Podcast. We have a bunch of episodes up there for you to listen to. $5 a month, folks. Extra content, extra dumbassery from the two of us. Until next time, we love you. Good night. Thank you again, Evelyn. You're so sweet. And uh, good night to you and everyone else.
Love you.